0: Welcome to the Jack Cornfield Heart Wisdom Hour. We are delighted to share with you Jack's innate common sense wisdom and his clear open heart. If you are interested in supporting Jack's podcast, go to BeHearNownetwork.com slash Jack. I'm really happy to be here with you today and to have your company in this. Uh, in this retreat, also know that there's a whole coterie of um, high school students who are joining us today and other, other next-gen folks. Um, it's a tough time in our culture and in our world, and maybe one could say that often and over many cycles in the last, you know, centuries. But here we sit, um, coming to meditate in the middle of these fraught and very divisive conversations about DACA and DREAMers, about school shootings and guns, um, uh, what happened in Parkland and so forth, the tragedies we carry, uh, about immigration, about, about who we are as, as a culture and a society and as human beings, and whatever your per- political persuasion, and I'm not going to assume anything about um, that here, um, these things weigh on our hearts, and the divisiveness is so difficult, and the the solutions are are um, also hard to find, um, and they're particularly hard to find um, when we look outwardly, because it's quite obvious that no amount of technological development. And I just came this morning from a conference called Wisdom 2.0 in San Francisco, which was a meeting of Silicon Valley people and technologists with a, uh, a group of people who are trying to infuse it with both human and and um, spiritual values, if you will, and compassion, sort of open source compassion as part of the project. Um, uh, No amount of computers, no artificial intelligence, no, you know, the smartphone that has the great library of Alexandria in your pocket along with every um, cat and kitty video that's ever been made. Um, No amount of biotechnology, nanotechnology, space technology, all this extraordinary stuff is going to stop continuing warfare, going to stop continuing racism, going to stop continuing tribalism going to stop environmental destruction. The outer developments of humanity, which are now remarkable, have to be met with an inner development of our consciousness and our conscience and our sense of interconnection. Um, Otherwise, the politics and the world plays on the amygdala and the kind of reptilian primitive brain that's where you get people's attention there's a snake there's a you know a tiger oh my god the terrorists are going to come get you in your home or whatever it is um and we let the terror come inside um instead of actually seeing the world with its unbearable beauty and magnificence with a good heart and as nelson mandela said after 27 years in Robben Island prison, it never hurts to think the better of someone or think the good in someone. They often act the better because of it. And because he was able to see the the potential and the beauty in humanity, he was able to walk out of all those years of prison. They can put your body in prison, but no one can imprison your spirit. Um, and change not just South Africa but the imagination of the world of what's possible. And the beautiful thing is that it's not Nelson Mandela, it's you and me and all of us. We each have that potential, no matter the circumstances, the measure of suffering that you have, which we all do because it's part of human incarnation. Anybody not have that? Raise your hand, you can have your money back, right? And the measure of beauty and joy that you have. and so we come with this mysterious human incarnation to take our seat in in stillness, in the midst of it all, um, and begin to listen and tend with a loving awareness this body and heart and mind that we have. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. Every wise culture knows that there's times to walk in the mountains or walk by the ocean or... Um, Go out into the desert or go to the cathedral or someplace and just listen for a time. And not, you know, check things off your to-do list or, as Albert Einstein reportedly said, in Scientific American, um, if you uh, can drive safely while kissing someone, you're simply not giving the kiss the attention it deserves, right? And so, yeah, we live in this wired world, but we have to step out of it. You know, whether it's the kiss or the, you know, the fruiting um, and flowering of the plum blossoms that have come in this springtime. Hmm. Looking for little stories to tell you. In the early 1980s, I started a rigorous six-year academic medical program in Boston that required me to work during the day, in part, and take extra classes at night and more work on the weekends. And the first summer off, I wanted to get away from the studies and work with my hands, be close to the earth. So I went to live with an Amish family in Pennsylvania. The experience renewed me, and I decided to do it again the next summer. That year, I drove from Boston to western Pennsylvania on a holiday weekend. Terrible traffic. You know, hours and hours of driving, and I was already exhausted. My Amish hosts had delayed their dinner for me. During the meal I tried to act calm and natural, but I felt full of nerves. My Amish host could clearly tell something was amiss because at the end of dinner he said, Come with me. I followed him to the backyard, which bordered an alfalfa field. Although his faith discouraged smoking, the farmer lit a cigarette. Three of his children gambled around while two others clung to him. The farmer stood without saying a word, looking out over the alfalfa. I did the same. The dark green field was becoming harder to see in the fading light. And then out of the alfalfa rose fireflies. A few at first, but soon there were hundreds. Their pinpricks of light mingled with the stars. Heaven and earth meeting in this humble man's backyard. I felt my nervousness leave me. The farmer turned and said, That's for you. And being here together in some way is for you to come to this beautiful valley. And what we'll do is we'll sit in meditation for periods, 20 minutes at a time or so with some instruction, then do some walking practice, 20 minutes or more, 30 minutes, then come back and sit again alternately so that you can integrate this um, in your body. One more thing to say, and this is actually a, a passage from Zen Master Thich Nhat Han. Um, he says, "Your mind is like a piece of land. it kind of connects to this lovely Amish image that was almost a poem, planted with many different kinds of seeds, or you could say, consciousness is planted, filled with seeds, seeds of joy and peace." of mindfulness, understanding, love, and seeds of craving, of anger, fear, hate, and forgetfulness. These healthy and unhealthy seeds are always there, sleeping in the soil of your mind or your heart. And the quality of your life depends on the seeds that you water. If you plant um, beautiful seeds, they will grow. If you water a seed of peace in your mind, peace will develop. When the seeds of happiness in you are watered, you become happy. When the seeds of anger or fear or hatred are watered, you become angry or fearful or hateful. The seeds that are watered frequently are those that will grow. And this starts to describe both our human condition, the possibilities for us in this human incarnation. We can all kind of hear that and the beautiful news that we can water different seeds that we can choose where to direct our attention and we can quiet the mind steady our attention tend and open the heart and this is really the game this is really the offering and the the practice um that we'll work with now it's not always a pretty picture I do have to say that, my dear friend Annie Lamott, great kind of writer and um, humorist says, my man, my mind is like a bad neighborhood. I try not to go there alone, which is why we've got you all here together, right? So as you sit, you also will feel the tensions you carry in your body. You'll feel the unfinished business of your heart. If there's grief or tears or longing, love that isn't expressed, if fears, all that, that stuff is there. What you will find is your own life presenting itself to you without distraction. And then you think, oh my God, but I'm getting distracted in here. Meditation becomes like a mirror, and the synonym we'll use for mindfulness is loving awareness. The point isn't to have a particular experience today, not even a quiet one where you're just with your breath and everything goes away. May it happen for you for a little bit. But that's not going to be your main experience. Your main experience is it going to be sitting with a loving awareness and finding a wise relationship to the measure of pleasure and the measure of suffering and to the, the, the beauty that you carry and the fears that are in your heart, to allow them actually to be met and held with respect and understanding. Um, and then there comes a kind of shift, a shift of identity where you're not lost in each one of those, because they all tell a story. And as you may have noticed, those stories are, if not completely untrue, um, they're usually rather partial. You know, and some of them don't have your best interest in mind. So to be able to step back, it doesn't mean you're not present. To actually be more present, not on automatic. This isn't self-hypnosis. This is called de-hypnosis, you know, because we're sort of hypnotized by our habits. To step back and say, oh, this is the doubting mind. This is the fearful mind. This is the tensions in the body. Um, let me find a relationship with these where I'm not lost in them and let me water the seeds of presence, of calm, of steadiness, um, of loving kindness or compassion. Does that all make sense to you? That's really the, the charge, the direction, the um, the value of what we'll do today. And we're going to start quite simply Um The first couple of sittings, primarily working with mindfulness of the breath and the kind of steadying of attention. And that's a little bit like um, cleaning the lens on your glasses or something so you can see more clearly. Um, It's hard to pay attention when our um, awareness and our focus is scattered. Um, So, one of the first steps in the art of meditation, or even in watering seeds, you know, you got to be able to direct the water, um, is to steady the attention a little bit. And we use breath because it's the most universal of all practices and meditations across traditions, every tradition in Africa and, you know, in Latin American and shamanic cultures and, you know, all kinds of Eastern practices from the martial arts in Japan to, you know, the yogis in India, the breath becomes a way, and in the Jewish and Christian mystical tradition and the Sufi tradition, the breath becomes a vehicle somehow to tune ourselves, to, our, to bring body and mind together. Um, and it's always with us, at least while you're in your body, anyway, um, and, and available, The spirit in beginning meditation also is one, it's not a grim duty, not one of struggle, but much more one of tending and discovery of openness. I have this birthday card that was given to me. It's from the drugstore. It's called the Dalai Lama's Birthday Party. And it shows him opening a giant box and looking inside the ribbons on the ground and these little smiling monks around him. You don't see anything in there. And he's exclaiming, Wow, nothing. Just what I always wanted. You know? So this actually isn't the place to get something. This is more like the dump, really. This is the place to let go of stuff. Or in another way, it's the place... to bring a kind of openness to what you discover. And that is really much, much more fruitful in um, learning the art of mindful presence or loving awareness with everything in your life. And also in learning the the deep um, transformative art of compassion, to let this openness be, be with you. So, um, let's begin with a, with a formal meditation. Um, if you've been, do you want to stand up for a second if you've been sitting for half an hour or more? Um, just let your body stretch for a moment. See which way it wants to bend or move. Take a few deeper breaths. Mm-hmm. Without knocking into the people around you, you know, let it wiggle a little bit. If you're shy, you can close your eyes so nobody can see you, you know. And then when you're stretched, let yourself sit back down in a chair. Let your feet be flat on the floor and sit upright so there's some sense of dignity. You take your seat halfway between heaven and earth in this human form. If you're on a cushion up front here, whatever posture is comfortable. You don't have to sit in some weird posture. You're weird enough as it is without adding to it from your <laughs> spiritual practice, right? It's so fun for me with all these new students. I get to use all my old jokes, you know. I think, oh, hey. <laughs> all right, so you settle yourself on the earth here. And when you feel settled and both present. Um, upright with some sense of dignity, but also graciousness, a kind of ease. Let your eyes close gently. And notice if there's any obvious tightness or tension in your body that you can easily release and do so. Let the, the eyes and the face soften, and loosen the jaw. Allow the shoulders to relax and the arms and hands to rest easily. Let the belly be soft and the breath natural. And let the heart be soft as well to receive whatever arises with a spirit of kindness, compassion. And as you sit and begin to bring a loving awareness and attention to this life, this moment now, there are these sounds of words and soft sounds around you There's the sensations of your body ever present. And there's, of course, a stream of thoughts and feelings, ideas, memories, plans, commentary, emotions, feeling calm or nervous or excited or happy or sad. Let all of these things be as they are. Let them just be present. And underneath all the waves of thoughts and sounds, feelings, sensations, become aware of the wave of the breath, how the body is breathing itself in the midst of it all, And bring your attention to wherever you can sense the breath most easily, coolness in the nostrils, swirling, tingling in the back of the throat, or rise and fall of chest or belly. And if it's hard to feel the breath, take one hand and put it on your belly and feel the rise and fall in the palm of your hand, you can leave it there for the, for the whole meditation, if you like. And this is your life breath. And the first subject of the training of steadying attention. So as each breath comes in and out, or each rise and fall, let yourself feel it, sense it. If it's helpful to you, you can make a little acknowledgement, a whisper, oh, in and rising or out or falling. But mostly just sense it, beginning, in the middle, and the end, and then that little gap between the breaths and the next breath. And with each breath, rest your attention in it gently for three or four or five breaths until the attention wanders away. And then as soon as you notice, without any judgment, oh yes, here we are, come back to the next breath. And the attention will wander over and over again. And as soon as you notice, whether it's a few seconds or a few minutes later, it doesn't matter, gently return back to the breath. It's the very coming back, each time you notice and come back, that starts to establish and train A steadiness of presence that connects body and mind together. Be gentle and patient and come back again and again to this breath, this moment. This this breath, just now, arising, passing away, and with each breath, invite a sense of calm or ease, breathing in and breathing out invite the sense of calm with this breath a sense of ease deepening and growing breath by breath Whatever is present, feel how the breath breathes itself in the midst of it all, this breath. You did good. So um, let me say a little bit more about the breath. So when you start to pay attention to the breath, some of you were newer, many of you have practiced for some time. Um, there can be a mistaken sense um, uh just out of habit, because basically we are control freaks in some fashion or other, almost all of us, that the idea is to have the right kind of breath, to calm it down, to steady it, to do something, make it longer, slower, whatever your idea is. Let it do what it wants. Your task is simply to notice this is a long breath or a short breath, a deep breath or a shallow breath. Um, You're actually in the presence of your life breath. And what's also true is that this breath that you're breathing was breathed by her and him, you know, just a minute before, that you're actually exchanging breaths with one another and with the badger that I saw that lives on the land here, you know, and the uh, the voles and the field mice, you're exchanging breaths um, And it dusted the tops of Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa as it came over the Pacific and went through the lungs of the dolphins and it came to you. It also dusted Fukushima nuclear reactor, you know. So your breath actually is this universal movement that connects you with life itself. Now as you do it, the attention will wander all the time and you bring it back because we're trained to have a 15-second attention span. And basically the length of an advertisement is our training for attention here in this culture. So it takes a little while, and you come back again and again without judgment. You don't have to do anything about it a minute later, uh, five seconds later, three minutes later. You just come back gently, and the point is gently, without some idea of how much improvement you have. Florida Scott Maxwell, the novelist, writes, no matter how old a mother is, she looks to her middle-aged children for signs of improvement, right? And we've internalized that, mother and father, in some way. But that's not the, not the art or the game of meditation, which is instead an invitation to presence where you are, to live more fully present. Now, as you feel the breath, sometimes get, make it may get tight, Try to soften with it. Sometimes it'll be tight anyway. Then just let it be tight and notice that. Sometimes it pauses, sometimes deep or shallow. It can help to pay attention to the space between breaths because that's often when the attention drifts off. Um, Or again, to put your hand in your belly um, as you are practicing. Um, I have a friend who some years ago gave birth and did it a home birth out in the country. And her son was born with a cord wrapped and quite blue, you know, and they did a little breath into him, and then they would hold him and wait to see, was he going to start to breathe or not? And she said, that's when I really learned what it meant to pay attention to the breath, and it wasn't even my own. But there's something mysterious about being with your own life breath that connects the body and mind together. Um, and it's a little bit like a mirror, because as you sit with it, well, Mullah Nasruddin, the Sufi holy fool, went to the bank one day and, and said, you know, tried to cash a check, and they said, could you please identify yourself? So he reached in his pocket and pulled out a small mirror and said, yep, that's me, all right, you know. And this is what the mindfulness of the breathing does. It actually becomes a mirror because you're there with your breath and then all the stuff of your life starts to show itself. But the breath helps you actually become present where you are.